Welcome in everyone to the Buncombe Street United Methodist Church podcast. My name is Chris Ashley. I'm the Director of Congregational Engagement here at our church and the host of this podcast each and every week. We want to thank you for joining us this week. And if it's your first time tuning in, uh, we are right in the middle of a series where we are looking at the seven letters to the churches in the book of Revelation. And this takes place in Revelation chapters 2 and 3. We also had an intro episode that covered chapter 1 of Revelation and set up this series. So if you haven't caught up with all of that, feel free to go back into the archives and catch up on this what has turned out to be just a really great series, I think, and we're, we're at least myself, I'm learning a lot about who I am and where we are as a church and where I am as a believer myself. Um, and so today we're pushing in with letter number five, and this is the letter to the church in Sardis. And so this letter occurs in Revelation chapter three, verses one through six, and says this, And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, The words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Remember then what you received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come against you. Yet you still have a few names in Sardis, people who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy." The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Again, that's in Revelation chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. So each week we start off our first question about these churches is, what are they doing right? Well, that's a tough question to ask of this church in Sardis, because Sardis is one of two churches uh, of these seven that don't really get much, if any, praise. They are essentially pretty widely reproved, and uh, there's just not a lot of good happening here. But this Sardis, there's a little caveat that after he kind of lays out what's going on, he does say there are a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their garments. So there are people who haven't basically made an embarrassment of themselves. They've not put themselves in a terrible situation, but they're also not necessarily doing things right. Like they're not doing anything wrong, but they're also not doing anything right. They're just kind of there. But because they haven't done anything wrong, they're still okay. So they give this this little minor semi-praise, but it's not on the whole. It's a, at a micro level here with this congregation. So let me tell you a little bit about Sardis. So Sardis was the capital of the ancient kingdom of Lydia, and it was built into the foot of this mountain. So it was heavily fortified, 
And despite being heavily fortified, they had experienced a couple of surprise attacks that they weren't ready for. And and several, several years prior to the setting in which we're reading this letter, Sardis was actually wiped out almost entirely by an earthquake. And it was one of many places that were wiped out. So this was a wealthy city. It was a, a trade hub. And the emperor because the city was in such high regard and it was this capital city and it was really a wealthy city and they had a temple there, the earthquake wiping them out, he wanted to rebuild uh, Sardis. And so he funded this project to rebuild. So they had rebuilt. They'd kind of basically crumbled and been rebuilt and had these surprise attacks. And so that's kind of the setting we're talking about when we talk about this church in Sardis. And with all that stuff going on, the church has been left essentially without leadership. It's it's kind of just been around and it's just there. <clears throat> so what they're doing right is very minimal. Second question we always ask is what are they doing wrong? Well, this is pretty clear in this letter. This is a church that is, I'm calling it a zombie church. These guys are the walking dead. They're a they're they have this facade as if they're alive, but they're dead inside. There's no there's no life there. They're essentially mannequins. Um, they are just they they exist, but that's about all you could say for them. It's it's a place filled with hypocrisy because they are the church, but they they are lacking in faith and they are lacking in any kind of substantive works. They are spiritually numb. They're just there. And I'll say this. I I feel like I've had moments in my life where I have certainly felt this way. I've been in churches where there have been moments in that church's life where it has felt that way, right? And I think we can all acknowledge that sometimes you kind of look around and go like, am I just going through the motions? Like, am I just here on a Sunday morning because this is what I do? Like, when I sing this, these songs, do I really mean it? When I pray the prayers, when I say the liturgy, when when we quote the creeds, like, does any of this really impact me? Or am I just doing it because it's what I do? It's the facade I want to create. This is not a new idea. And Sardis is not the only church to have ever dealt with this for sure. And in fact, uh, in a couple of weeks, we'll read about the Laodiceans who have a similar situation going on. But this idea of just being like spiritually dead inside is really depressing. And like, I, I, I think uh, alarming in a lot of ways, especially if you were this church in Sardis. So what, exp- what instruction then is given? Well, I love this one. So, he says, wake up. Like essentially wake up. You need some coffee, right? I I have this uh, pretty much daily ritual uh, that I like to call 2.30 disease. It gets to be about 2.30 in the afternoon and I kind of hit a wall creatively, uh, motivationally. And as I'm recording this right now, it's two o'clock in the afternoon. And so uh, you know, there's a chance that uh, I could hit a wall here in about a half an hour. And so a lot of times I'll make myself a cup of coffee because if I don't, um, I know I'm going to hit a wall and I'm going to just be kind of phoning it in and I'm going to be a zombie and I'm just going to zone out. Right. And I don't want to do that. I want to be productive. I want to be a good steward of my time and resources. And sometimes God's heavenly being 
the coffee bean, uh, can encourage me and, and give me the jolt I need. So that's what he's telling him here. Wake up. He says, remember. Remember what you've learned. Keep it and repent. Acknowledge the state that you're in and turn around and walk away from it. You know, we talk a lot about this word repentance, and we don't always... We don't always talk about the fact that like part of repentance is acknowledging the issue, right? Like they always say the first step is admitting you have a problem. Like I think I think sometimes we think, well, we can just repent. Well, I'll just stop doing whatever it is and kind of ignore it and pretend it didn't happen. But really, substantive change happens when we can point to and acknowledge the issues we have so that we stay away from them in the future. So he's saying repent you got to repent. Remember what you've been taught. Keep those things in your mind and repent. And then what is promised to them? This is question number four. What is promised to them? This We've been talking about the Nike, right? To the one who conquers. He promises them white garments. White garments. That, to me, is a sign of, one, of purity, for sure, because he talks about the soiled garments. So white garments is, is purity, but it's also a sense of of renewal, right? Like to like I think about when I take off my dirty clothes and I put on something clean before I go to bed, right? I'm I'm kind of resetting. I'm reframing my mind. I'm I'm starting fresh. And I love that. I don't know about you. I I'm a I'm a I know there are people that are like, "Oh, if I'm out busy camping whatever, I like I can go days without showers." Not me. I I want to shower Every chance I get. If I sweat even a little bit, I need to take a shower. I've been known to, at times, uh, take upwards of four showers a day if necessary. I don't just do that as a regular habit, but I always take a shower when I wake up. It helps me wake up. Again, it's that it's like the coffee. It goes hand in hand to get my day going. And then if I go run, I need to shower. If I mow the grass, I need to shower. If I'm out at a baseball game or something and I get a little sweaty or gross or if I go out on the lake and I want to come like I'm I'm good. I don't mind taking more than one shower a day. Like I want to be clean. I want to be renewed. I want to be fresh. I want the white garments, right? That's the promise here. He also says, I will not blot your name out of the book of life. That is great because <laughs> we certainly want our names to be in there. And then this last one is one that I find fascinating too. I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. So God says, if you are the one who conquers, not only will I not blot your name out of the book of life, I will actually speak your name to my father and to the angels. Essentially, Jesus is saying, I'm going to vouch for you. I'm going to say, I'm going to put in a good word. I'm going to say, this person belongs here, right? So that's super cool. I, you know, I, I've, I've talked about uh, stories. I think I had told the story on here a couple weeks back about my, my friend Seiko and how he had my back, right? Uh, it's always great when someone can vouch for us. So the final question we ask with each of these letters is what can we here in 2022, whether as individuals, as a church, as a global church, what can we learn from the church in Sardis? Well, number one, I think, is to avoid going through the motions. 
this this is something that I feel like we're just let me let me talk to Buncombe Street right now. We're a church that's almost 200 years old. There's a lot of a lot of things that have gone on here for a long time. Uh, there's a lot of traditions, a lot of s- sacred cows, um, and some of those things are good and valuable, right? And some of them just some sometimes we just do stuff just because this, it's how we've always done it, and we we've, we've never done it that way before, and changes scary and not you know change in a word is change in a church is always a hard hard uh prospect in fact i once i always tell the story like uh if if you're gonna move the piano from the left side of the sanctuary to the right side of the sanctuary you have to move it three inches a week so that nobody notices I remember when they took the first row of pews out of the sanctuary and like they thought nobody would notice that. And of course people did. It was, it was a a drastic change, but I've always tried to live by this mantra. Change is inevitable, but the growth growth is optional. So change is going to happen. We can either let it annoy us or we can let it grow us. But we must change. We cannot go through the motions. We cannot be, well, this is the way I've always done it, so I'm going to do it. Because that breeds complacency, and it breeds this zombie-like attitude, this walking dead, uh, right? This this just going through the motions. So that's the first thing. Let's not go through the motion. The second thing I think we learn, and, and I think this plays into that, the way that I think we avoid getting complacent and we avoid going through the motions is by by having clear vision and mission and by getting behind that, right? I always find myself way more motivated to do something if I know if I, if I'm buy into the why. Like I want to know what I'm doing and why I'm doing. I want to be a part of something bigger. It's why so many of us uh, get passionate about our our college football teams, right? We don't play for the team. But we buy into this idea that's bigger than us. It's a it's a mission of a team, a vision of a team, and we want to be a part of it in whatever way that means, even if that's as a fan. And so we we push into it, and it helps keep us motivated uh, with those with those endeavors. So, and, and I'll put a plug in here for I, I got to preach at the traditional service on August twenty eighth this past Sunday. So you can go back and watch it if you if you didn't get to see it. But I talked a little bit about this, about vision and mission, um, and I, I broke out the greatest commandments as as our ultimate vision as Christians. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And I went into all the, the nooks and crannies of that and what that practically looks like. So I encourage you to go check that out if you, if you didn't get a chance to hear it. But I really think that buying into that kind of thing and pressing towards that thing, that's what's going to keep us from getting complacent. That's what's going to keep us from being a church like Sardis that we we seem alive, but we're dead. If we if we have something we're chasing at, and particularly if, we, if we're chasing after something together, uh, we should not encounter those issues. Let me pray for us this morning. Father God, thank you for our time together. Thank you for this church in Sardis and what they can teach us I pray that this would open our eyes to any complacency we have in our own life, any complacency we have in our church, 
and that you would give us an opportunity to change and to chase after you and to embrace vision and mission and to be the church. Thank you for everything you do for us. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Hey, thanks again for tuning in this week. I can't wait to be back with you next week as we look at the church in Philadelphia. And no, that's not in Pennsylvania. (laughs) But until next time, grace and peace to you all.